Thank you for tuning in to a Centerpoint Church message. Our mission is to help you take the next step in your relationship with God. We hope this message achieves that and inspires you to both grow in your faith and live it out today. Enjoy. Well, Merry Christmas. Welcome to Centerpoint Church. My name is Aaron Master. I'm the pastor here. As I say every Sunday here, you're in for a one-hour service with a mission to help you take the next step in your relationship with God. Whether that means just giving you a place to show up on Christmas to make mom or dad happy. I've totally been there. I know what that's like, but we see that as a step. Or whether that means helping you uh, start a relationship with God, we see that as a step. Or having this be the place you choose to help you put faith into action and grow in your personal relationship with God, we want to help you take your next step. And our Christmas Eve service is no different than any other service here. Although we maybe come across as like this overly positive place or fun church, we want you to know we are still true to the Bible. We take God very seriously here, and we want to guide you and encourage you in your weekly walk with him. Our style, it's obviously a little bit different though, right? As we kicked off Christmas Eve service with a song called Levitating by Dua Lipa, right? Like it's a little out there. But I don't know if you caught some of the lyrics that were sung It's about happiness, it's about joy, it's about excitement when you finally find, get, or discover what you've been waiting for. Well, the arrival and birth of Jesus was something people waited for. And when it finally came, it starts the excitement for love, joy, peace, and you do a happy dance, right? You're just excited about it. In my family of three, my my wife, Sydney, and then we have a one and a half year old daughter named Eliza. Today we associate levitating, the song levitating, as the bounce song in our house. Since this song, it was part of the service, and we knew it was going to be part of the service, it's been on repeat maybe just a time or two in our house. But we have this little trampoline in our house, and it's become the bouncing song as a family. At home, when my daughter hears the song, she does one of these, bounce? And like instantly starts bouncing. Like It's like she's excited, she's running on this trampoline. And when it's over... When it's all, the song's done, she'll beg for it to start more moosh, more moosh, and literally will wait until the music starts again. Well, waiting's not her strong suit, as it usually ends in this, when it's a no. Well, I'm a sucker as a dad, so I turn it back on again and again and again. Now, I know this is a bit silly, but I got to ask, have you been there before? Wanting something, waiting for something, anticipating for something, and when it doesn't happen in your timing, you're sad, you're mad, you're confused. I hope for you it's more than just a song not being played in your timing, but I'm sure you've experienced this type of frustration with, with other things in life. I know I definitely have been there with various things. Growing up, I, uh, I always was shorter than other people, and I wanted any, more than anything to be taller, so I wore tall shoes. Okay, so not those. Like, no, that, that totally wasn't in back then, but, but you get the point. I wore tall shoes, uh, and I'm still waiting for my growth spurt like 20-ish years later. In college, I had pretty bad acne, so it was waiting for it to go away, like six to eight years, long years of waiting for that. In my 20s, it was finally not to be sending, like, payments to a bank to pay off my student loans. Then it was waiting for someone to do life with, because I was single for the majority of my 20s. I mean, I have resolved a lot of these things now, and the waiting then is, I kind of see as worth it. But what about the things you're waiting for now, and you don't get it, or you haven't had it resolved, or you haven't experienced it as planned. As a, as a hunter, I'm, an, I'm a novice hunter, 10 years in, I'm still waiting for that big buck, 
honestly, I'm just waiting for a buck. It doesn't have to be big. I got into hunting because of the free meat. Well, I'm still waiting for the free meat. Sydney, my wife, she reminds me, venison's the most expensive food in our house because she adds up the gun, the ammo, the license, the gas to the land, and the hours in the stand. I keep saying it's going to be the season for me to start slaying some deer. Well, the cost per pound of venison just keeps getting higher and higher and higher each year. But I've been planning for a deer every year, and I'm still waiting. A bit more serious, a bit more serious of things I'm waiting for, my, my family, we, we've gone through some ups and downs lately and have been stuck in a time of frustration and waiting for, waiting for growth to our immediate family, waiting for life-altering health struggles to go away, waiting for job satisfaction, waiting for close friendships. Can you relate? Have you had to wait before? Have you had hopes or plans that you would be somewhere different than where you are at now? Or, or maybe you wish to have accomplished something more at this point, and it just hasn't happened yet. Maybe for you it's that dream job that, that you'll finally feel fulfilled at. Maybe it's a spouse, as you weren't, weren't planning on being alone this long or having to be alone. Maybe it's to, to have an older child come to faith. Maybe it's for positive results. Maybe it's for your family to reunite. Maybe it's for your health to get better. Maybe it's for your finances to be easier. You've waited. You've hustled. You've prayed. You've worked. You've waited some more and feel like you've done everything you can and you still feel you have nothing to show. What you're living and going through right now was not your plan. Waiting and things not going as planned for people is something intertwined with Christmas and Jesus' birth story in so many ways. In the waiting for Jesus' birth, it actually starts way in the beginning of the Bible. If you didn't know the Bible, it's this book that took about 1,500 years to have it be to completion in written form, and it covers about 4,000-some years of history. In the first book of the Bible, Genesis, and in its first chapters, you can read about God's first interactions with humans, and there's already this, this promise for a savior, for a person like Jesus to come. It starts with Adam and Eve. If you know the story after the whole nakedness and going against God's w wishes to stay away from a tree and the serpent tricking them into eating its fruit, God then says to the servant, or evil as a whole, in Genesis 3.15, I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. It's saying something from the first humans will defeat all evil. The birth of Jesus fulfills that. It's saying, uh, and then sometime later we, have, we see again in the Bible, a few chapters later, this man named Abraham shows up who wants children. Like as many 15-passenger vans worth of descendants as possible, that's what he wants. And he gets a promise from God that his descendants will be great and numerous. Genesis 12, 3, it says, I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all people on earth will be blessed through you. All people on earth will be blessed through your line, is what God is saying to Abraham. Well, Jesus is of Abraham's line. Jesus fulfills that. And then there's David. David, he's this king that, uh, that led God's people for so many years, many years later, but it's, he's told by a prophet this. He says, when your days are over and you rest with your ancestors, I will raise up your offspring to succeed you, your own flesh and blood, and I will establish his kingdom. He is one who will build a house for the, my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. 
It's saying a kingdom forever is coming from David's family. Jesus is a part of that line. You might be like, okay, pastor, I guess I see some of it. It's, maybe it's a little bit of a stretch. Let's keep going. Let's keep going in the Old Testament. Things start to get real specific. Isaiah 7.14 says, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel, or meaning God with us. He will be God with us. You hear this and you're like, okay, that's the Christmas story. You're right. All right. That sounds kind of like Jesus. But Isaiah was saying this 700 years prior to Jesus' arrival. Finally, there's one, one more prophecy we'll look at, and it's before this time of silence hits. And it's in Micah 5, 2. It says, but you, Bethlehem, though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will, will come for me one who will be a ruler over Israel, whose origins are from of old, from ancient times. A ruler of God's people will come from Bethlehem. All right, so put this all together. From mankind specifically Abraham, from David's lineage, a child will come from a virgin and from Bethlehem. It's like we keep getting closer and closer. It's like the childhood game of like hot, cold. Have you played that before? Like warmer, warmer, hot, hot. Like it feels like we're getting closer and closer. But then the Bible goes silent. A time between the books of Malachi, Old Testament, and the New Testament, Matthew, the first book, 400 years pass with God's people in which we have no record of. Sure, God is still moving in people's lives then, but nothing inspired by God or prophetic that people wrote about. Nothing more than about this Messiah that's supposed to come. In the church world, we call this gap uh, 400 years of silence, or it's also known as the intertestamental period. I call it sucky or stinky because 400 years... That's brutal, right? That is brutal. Like, can you imagine the waiting? Can you imagine even just waiting for an hour these days? And, and no, you don't have a phone. An hour waiting with a phone, that's called a vacation. But honestly, I'm the worst at waiting. Sadly, I think I'm probably one of the most impatient people I know. I'm one that, like, if I'm in the drive-thru and the, long, the wait is too long, even though I've paid... I might scoot out and leave, actually. <laughs> I basically do all my shopping on Amazon because I want it now. I don't want to deal with the lines. I don't really even want to wait in a checkout. I also, I don't really like waiting on my wife. <laughs> Which is why it was a prerequisite in dating that she wasn't high maintenance. But there's one thing, there's one thing that Sydney gets a little high maintenance about, and it happens at Target. Something comes out of her at Target. Like, when we walk into Target, it's like Target sucks people in. The second you walk in with their, like, that little dollar section they have, you know, there, that's totally not a dollar section, I know, from our, our credit card statements. So I'm like, you go, I'll get a coffee at the Starbucks right next to it, but I'll be done and she'll still be looking. So now I've defaulted to being in the car at times. Uh, I don't know if you've ever been in the car at Target before or in the parking lot waiting, but if you look around, there's lots of dudes out there. Lots of dudes. Apparently this is a thing. I maybe need to escalate to, to maybe this level in this clip here and team up with some Fond du Lac dudes to do what these guys did while waiting at Target. Check it out. You know, I mean, we're not a boys club or a social club. We're just a group of husbands collectively waiting for our wives um, in the Target parking lot. I used to get so bored. Hours and hours of waiting in the car. 
I thought it'd be a good idea one time to go in with the wife. Thought I could maybe scout out some camping gear or something like that. Just ended up holding their purse. Eventually, I just started returning the carts just to stay busy, get a little exercise. And then the target management noticed and they offered me a job. They said I could work whenever my wife was shopping. Last week, I clocked 12 hours. Point being, I can't stand waiting for even a few minutes. Well, God was silent on this Messiah for 400 years. Even when we felt like we're so close in the Old Testament, it must have been brutal waiting. But then, God breaks silence from God's last written inspiration in Malachi to the next written about interaction, which is with a woman named Mary. Have you heard Mary's story before? Mary was this Jewish girl, one who's probably heard the prophecies I just mentioned to you, plus she's probably heard many others, as there's a lot in Scripture. She's probably about 14 years old. She's a virgin. She's engaged to this man named Joseph, who's a carpenter. And I imagine they are just about ready to start their life together. I mean, if we bring it to our context or in today's time, I picture them picking out their wedding colors, getting ready to buy a house, saving money. Maybe Joseph is like planning to start his own business, his carpentry business, planning to settle down in a few years after that, and then maybe having kids. But what happens is this angel shows up kind of out of nowhere, as in 400 years nowhere, and drops this line on Mary. Again, years of silence to, hey, you're going to be a mom. It's, it's in Luke 1, 28 to 35. It says this, greetings, favored woman. The Lord is with you. Don't be afraid, Mary, the angel told her, for you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be very great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestors, David, and he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. Mary asked, but how can this happen? I am a virgin. The angel replied, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the baby to be born will be holy and he will be called the Son of God. She's like, all right, may it be done to me as you say. Mary embraces God's calling. It sounds amazing to be that person at first glance, right? But I want you to try and just put yourself in the shoes of Mary or, or even her fiance's shoes, Joseph. Like, not as hypothetical people, but as people like you and me today. Mary, I'm sure, is like, this is amazing. I'm excited. Like, I'm the one. She's on the spiritual high. She's being obedient to God and is so excited to tell her fiancé about this. She goes to tell Joseph, to tell him the news, hey, guess what? I'm pregnant. How do you think he took it? Not good, right? Like, if I'm Joseph, I'd be like, well, this is awkward. You What? Yeah, I'm pregnant, and it's from the Holy Spirit. If I was Joseph, I would freak, literally, for, for many reasons. I'd be like, well, first off, you're lying, because let's just play the odds here. Like, no, you're lying. And then not only that, I'd be even more mad at myself, because not only is my fiancé pregnant with not my child, but I'd be thinking, she's also a crazy chick. <laughs> the Holy Spirit gave you a baby? What? Well, Scripture says he's going to call the marriage off quietly. At this moment, put yourself in Mary's position. She did everything right, had huge plans to be with someone, is following God, yet they're crumbling. Her plans are crumbling. Again, have you been there? 
huge plans, and, and they maybe just aren't coming together the way you planned. Or maybe, maybe you're even following God's lead, like Mary, and it still isn't happening. Well, if we continue our story, it says in Matthew 1, 19 to 21, to whom she was engaged, Joseph, to whom she was engaged, was a righteous man and did not want to disgrace her publicly. So he decided to break the engagement quietly. As he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife. For the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit. And she will have a son and you are to name him Jesus. For he will save his people from their sins. Joseph is now back in this. Both him and Mary feel called by God to live this out. But I think the part that we often miss with this story is how big of a commitment that really is. What do you think that means for their future plans or their desires? What do you think that the public perception of that is for other people? How many times do you think they have to try and retell the story? Really, it's from the Holy Spirit. And it's not just, oh... We'll do this thing for God quickly and then get back on track for us. They have to go through nine months of pregnancy. I don't know if you, you know this, but being pregnant and being around a pregnant woman isn't the fastest moving thing ever. As a guy, I feel like time stands still sometimes emotionally. And I guess maybe the woman feels that way too. Bodies change for the woman. And I guess the man too. And it's a baby they are bringing into the world. Spoiler alert, if you didn't know, babies change everything and although she has some info about this baby being this child of God, that's the predicted one, what does that really even mean? I'd have so many questions if I were her. There's, I'm sure, nervousness, there's waiting, there's anticipation of Mary and Joseph. Again, have you been there at some point in your life? There's a popular Christmas song called Mary Did You Know, and it's just a, a small piece of the things I'm guessing Mary wished she knew, yet didn't. We, we have this bird's eye view today to look at what happened, but what did she have? She had waiting, she had praying, and continuing to live. As a church, we're going to sing this song, and as we do, I want you to put yourself in her shoes, thinking about what she didn't know, yet the strength she had in waiting and praying and continuing to live. Mary, did you know that your baby boy would one day walk on water? Mary, did you know that your baby boy would save our sons and daughters? Did you know that your baby boy has come to make you child that you Did you know? 
There was a lot Mary didn't know that she had to wait on, that she had to embrace. If we keep going with the Christmas story according to the Bible, there were things she didn't know she'd have to do even right away in her pregnancy. There was the census that was taking place, making them travel to their hometown, things like long-distance travel by foot, things like a decree from a king that time to kill young males, which she's having a baby boy, no set place for them to deliver this baby except some cave-like barn without family around. But then, the delivery of this child can you imagine the excitement, the happiness, the joy that is in confirmation that this is real? This is real. It's this levitating, exciting moment of seeing the waiting, the anticipation have an outcome. The future Messiah is here as a baby, as promised. But then after that happens, I wonder if they're ever like, now what? What do we do with it? I'm obviously joking as it's not a nit, right? Well, let's be real. They, they, got, they got to think at least to themselves a little bit, like, like now what? Most women, I, I, they're pretty much amazing, uh, and they instantly go into baby mode when they see a baby. I, I've realized this with my one-and-a-half-year-old Eliza. I had no idea how much people are obsessed with babies until I had her. Oh, look at She's got a sassy face. Cute. Okay. Oh, did she just sneeze? Yeah. Oh, did she just fart cute? Gross. No. Like, people, people are even riskier with babies. My, my daughter, she's been like sickish for like about 10 times in her life already. Minor symptoms. I guess things that could be COVID that are on the list. And we're like, maybe you want to stay away from her. And people are like, nah, we want to be by her. It's worth it. It's totally worth it. Women love babies. I imagine Mary does this thing for God of carrying a child, but also adapts her whole life for it, not to just be a birth mom, but a mom. Mary and Joseph, they raise Jesus, who again was this predicted Messiah. But there was more waiting after the birth to having him become the Messiah. I picture Jesus at three, and he's, he's still not potty trained I see Jesus at 10, and he's, he still needs help with things. Jesus is 12, and okay, then maybe they're starting to see that he has some like, impressive Bible knowledge. But it took basically 30 years for Jesus to start any public ministry. Can you imagine being Mary and Joseph? Your plans change for God in this birth. Your plans change by God to raise this child. You waited, then you wait some more. A life of waiting. 
And then in their waiting, they never see the plan clearly. Again, have you been there? Have you waited? You've tried. You've adapted. You've done all the right things. But now what? Well, fast forward 30-some years after the birth of Jesus. He finally starts his ministry. He does some miraculous things, builds a following, teaches the ways of God, and creates this momentum for people to live out his ways. He heals people. He puts them on a path of life. It's happening, this Messiah prediction. And what's amazing is Mary gets to watch it all. She's part of it. I'm sure it's an amazing moment as a parent to see. But then all of a sudden, in literally like a day or two, everything flips. Jesus is betrayed amongst his friends. He's taken into custody. He's beaten. And he's killed on a cross. Again, imagine Mary. Again, this is not what was supposed to happen. This is not what I had planned. This is not how I thought it was supposed to go. Days later, Jesus defeats death. He rises and is alive and says all can defeat death when they're connected to him and will have eternal life. Mary, did you know you would have to change, wait, see this, go through all this? Would Mary say it's worth it, the waiting? Would Mary say the change of plans was worth it? Would Mary see the purpose at the end? Would you? Personally, going through my moments of waiting, I would say I'd do anything to get out of them. And I would probably say the same of any of Mary's waiting-like situations. I'd beg to get out of them. But now seeing the big picture, waiting and being faithful to the end, it matters. Because how could she not see the purpose of her waiting? When I reflect on my, ho- my own life as a whole, I can see the pieces of God moving in it. And I can see the purpose of pain, of mess-ups, and see how they're used for a purpose. In many ways, besides through just me, even the people that are a part of my life. For me, my, my story, it starts before me, actually. My parents, they had me out of wedlock, and I'm sure they were like, really, God, a child? We weren't planning on this now? Yet in their years of changing their plans, they got married. And I was able to see a God-honoring marriage and be encouraged in faith through them. I lost a family member to cancer, and it was like, why? Why? Yet the lingering effects of seeing how other family members maintained faith through it is what helped bring me to faith later on. In college, I chose to do a lot of things on my own, away from God, and I experienced some of the lowest of lows. Blackout nights, moments of wondering if I have purpose, moments where I have to access, honestly, what am I contributing to the world? I was thinking all those things. I was feeling worthless. These nights were horrible. I wondered, God, why am I feeling this? Yet those moments brought me to look to God again. I was single for about five years out of college and spent time alone when others my age were dating or getting married. Why am I alone, God? But if I wouldn't have waited... I never would have met my wife or had our daughter. When you combine all of those moments of waiting and choosing to persevere, it all circles back to where I am at today. If one of those moments were wished away, I wouldn't be here in Fond du Lac today. And I'm happy here. I'm happy now. Did I plan my life the way it should go uh, and have it happen the way it did? No, not really. Were there some hurts and things I wish didn't happen? Absolutely. Were there moments that I wish I could just skip over? Yes. But if that meant changing the outcome to be where I'm at now or where I think God wants me to be in the future, I wouldn't change those things. I mean, to say I won't ever be in a position again, ever again, where I'm like, God, get me out of this, would be a complete lie. But today, am I more open to seeing what he does in my life, even if it's not in my plans or in my pain or in my waiting? 
I'm all for going through those now. I've tasted God's goodness. I've trusted in his promise for me. I'm going to wait on him. How about you? How about you? What's the thing you are waiting on God for? What are the plans that have maybe been disrupted? Well, as always here at Centerpoint, we never want to just leave you in that tension. As there are some things that Scripture says that Mary, and that Mary modeled for us to help us wait, to help us change, to help us sacrifice. Uh, and the first one is this, is, is you don't have to understand the plan to trust God has a purpose. Did Mary and Joseph understand the whole plan of who this baby was going to become and how exactly his life would go? Definitely not. No one really did. Yet they waited because they trusted God's purpose. If you're waiting for God's plan, for understanding, for change, or just clarity on something, and it's not working or or not happening right now, know that it doesn't mean God's not in it with you, but that there may be something brewing or that he may be finding a way to use it. Psalm 27, 14 says, wait for the Lord, be strong, and let your heart take courage. Yes, wait for the Lord. The psalmist says, take courage, as in get ready to be brave. There's this uh, new kids movie out. It's called Encanto. Has anybody seen it? All right, it's, it's, it's a pretty fun movie, and it's all about this house and family that has magical traits. The whole family, they have special gifts, actually. This whole family has special gifts, except this one girl. This one girl in the family doesn't have anything. We're going to watch a little clip, the trailer of it, because it involves her changing her plans and waiting. Check it out. Our house, our casita, came to life with magic. Hola, casita. Floors! Floors! Let's go! In time, every member of our family... Cecilia, up top! ...was given their own magical gift. I'm not super strong like Luisa. The donkey's gone out again. On it! Or effortlessly perfect like Senorita Perfecta Isabella. But, Mama, why am I the only one that didn't get a gift? You're just as special as anyone else in this family. You just healed my hand with an arepa con queso. She's waiting for her gift when everyone else has one. As you know, with any good Disney movie, she needs to take courage, right? Because let's be real, something is coming, and her waiting, it's going to save the day if she waits for it. It's the same in a life with God. Trust God can brew a purpose from what you are going through when it's tied to him. Even if you have no idea how or what the plan is, the second thing we can see from Mary in Scripture is, is your waiting, struggle, or forced change could be God's desire for closeness with you. It could be. You might be here and I'm like, you might be thinking, I'm waiting for this thing from God and it just hasn't happened. Have you prayed about it? Maybe his deep desire for you in the stretch you're going through is for you to get close to him again. Like to the point where you're praying every day, all day to try and hear him. Maybe today you just happen to be here and you're in a mess that's on your own doing, but, but maybe you feel that this is exactly what you need to hear, that you might be going through pain, frustration, or waiting because God wants closeness to you for the first time or, or since a long time for you. Have you embraced that? Have you said, God, I want to be used by you for a purpose like Mary and Joseph? If you don't have a connection with God already and, and you're in the waiting right now, 
I want you to know you can be used by God. Don't let your pain, your waiting, your frustration go unused. Let God redirect you and use you. If that's something you've never done or seeked out with God before, know that it's easy to start. As in 1 John 1, 9, he says this, But if we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all wickedness. When you do that, confess your sins, and try to follow and wait and listen for him, you are on a journey as a Christian. You are a follower of God. You can be used like Mary and Joseph was. You can be comforted in your waiting. But as you see with them, it's not easy. It's not easy, it's not glamorous, and doesn't necessarily give you what you want, but in looking at the big picture, you won't regret it. You won't regret it. I feel there's some people here today who, who maybe want that, who want that. You want purpose in your waiting, and if that's you, I want to just take a moment right now and give you a chance to pray that silently in your head and most importantly your heart to God, that you believe his word, that there's better ahead and there's better with God. Would you pray that with me right now? And if you've done that before, maybe you want to just pray for someone that you know is in the waiting of that and, wants to connect, and that you want to have a connection with God. Let's pray together. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for giving us a, a reason for waiting. Help us know that there's purpose in that. And God, some of us for the first time are saying, God, we, we want to confess our mess-ups on our own that we've done. Confess those to you. We're saying sorry to you. We trust that you can forgive us of those things. And God, we want to follow you. We want to be used by you in our waiting, in our frustration. Use us, God. Lead us in how you want us to live. Help us do that. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you just prayed that, I'm excited for you. We're all excited for you. Let's just like clap for maybe people that maybe did that. That's an amazing celebration to God. It's a birthday present to Jesus. It's an amazing birthday present to Jesus. We have a book called Following Jesus. It's at our Welcome Center that will help you with your next steps. Just stop out there, grab one on your way out. You don't have to do anything more, but just take that book with you and it'll guide you in your process of following Jesus. But as we wrap up, there's one last thing I think we can all learn from Mary and Joseph. And it's your strength will come when you keep going. When you're forced to wait, you get a little stronger. Like anything, when you add more, more stress, more time, more weight, and you keep going, you get stronger. I thought we would do, as we're getting close to the end, I thought we'd do a little pre-Christmas Eve dinner workout. So everyone stand up. Let's get in the squat that this guy's doing. Uh, just kidding. I'm just kidding. I, I like that you were moving. Uh, this is awesome. <laughs> but just think, if you were to hold your arms well in a squat like that for 20 seconds, you could probably do it. Right? You could probably do it. But then let's say it's a minute. Do it for a minute. A bit more of a challenge. How about five minutes? Some of you are like, no way, I'm out. But whatever one you could do, let's say you went from doing 20 seconds to 21 seconds. Would it feel longer? Of course, right? Would it be a miserable extra second? Maybe. But would you get stronger? Absolutely. Longer waiting makes your faith stronger. It makes you learn to sit. It makes you persevere in pain. It makes you lean into God to trust his purpose. It forces you to mature in faithfulness. Isaiah 40, 31 says this, But they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Your strength will be renewed. You'll be able to run and not get wearied or tired. You'll be able to walk further without fainting. So as I close, 
just like with Mary and Joseph, their perseverance in waiting, it changed the world. Their waiting of following through with God's ways and calling, even when they didn't know the plan, strengthened their faith. Them being open to God's ways, directions, uh, them being open to personal sacrifice was what they prioritized. What's that for you today? It could be choosing maybe to sit in pain or struggle because you just know that's what God wants for you. It could be choosing to live a particular way that's so countercultural to any of your friends, but it's what God asks of you. It could be forgiving or turning the other cheek or continuing to try even when you don't see why. It's listening to God's ways even when you don't get the plan, but you know he has a purpose. Today, what is your waiting preparing you for? What could be brewing for you? that you want to give to God's perfect timing, outcome, and purpose. I'm going to pray that we are waiting on God, that we trust in his purpose, and that we see strength brewing in our waiting just like Mary and Joseph. If you want to be reminded of that this Christmas season, you can pray with me right now. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for giving us a clear example of what it looks like to wait. Mary waited, Joseph waited, and to see an amazing outcome from that, that there's purpose in our waiting. I just pray that whatever we're waiting on, that God, you have a see that there could be purpose in that. Help us connect with you and be able to strengthen in our faith by waiting. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.